We have been in a series, if you're new around here, uh, just a three-week series, talking about the space between. The space between. Week one was the space between God and me. It's this idea that there truly is a God who loves me personally. I was born for purpose. And I have a, a, a empowerment on my life to do the things that God is mandating me to do. Then last weekend, we looked at the space between you and me. Maybe it's the person you're sitting next to today. What is that space like? Is there health? Is there love? Is there care? Is there listening? It, this goes on and on and on. That space really, really matters. And today, and finally, the last message in the series is called The Space Between God... And us. And the question is, is there such a thing as an us? Not me, not you, but us together corporately as the church. Are there mandates that we have on us that are not specific individual, but they are for the church at large? And the answer, I hope you know, is yes, there is. And we're going to look at some of those today. I want to read what is called the Great Commission in the Bible. Matthew 28, 19 is a very well-known passage among teachers, evangelists, missionaries. It's sort of the last few words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven. I think those matter a lot. You know, if you have one last thing you're going to say to someone before you go, you're probably going to think about what you say. And this is what he says in Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. He really wanted them to know this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have a mission. We, us. In Scripture, as we are called the church, after Jesus leaves the earth, which was right after he said these words, he, he ascends slowly. They watch him go up into heaven. And he also said, I'm sending someone here to comfort you. Who, who would that be? The Holy Spirit. I'm going to make sure when I leave, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit abides in us. So we don't physically have Jesus who's sitting in a chair like the disciples did. They could touch him. They could hug him. They, they knew he was sleeping. He was tired. They watched him eat. This physical man as the son of God. We don't have that. But we have the spirit of God which abides in us and is with us always. So it's important for us to say, what does it mean for us as the church? What are we called in scripture? Do you remember? The bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. I am not the bride of Christ. You are not the bride of Christ. Who is? We so, so please keep that in mind because that's very important that we're talking today not about you personally, not about me personally, about we as a church. Every believer in the entire world is a part of the bride of Christ, which is called the church. And God has a mandate and a mission for the church, which goes way beyond my personal connection to Jesus. We're in a culture that really likes the personal connection to Jesus part, and rightly so. That's a very important component. But you have Jesus, guess what? You get me. You get everyone else on the earth who is walking with Jesus. And, and the church really does matter. Now, how did all this start? Like, why are you in a room like this right now on a Sunday morning doing what 
you're doing? You ever thought about that? Well, it's just, just what I do. Well, why? Please don't say, okay, I won't anymore. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm glad you're here. But this all started at the resurrection. And they came together. The Lord was raised from the dead on a Sunday. And so people started gathering on Sunday. And they started doing five or six things together. The last part of Acts chapter 2 starts to tell us what the church did. They met together. And there's like, I'm going to list five or six things that they did together. And, and this is before your outline even starts. And so just set that down for a second. And let's talk a little bit about what they did together. One of the things that they came together to do was to pray. You'll see this over and over, Acts 2, Acts 4. The church came together, the disciples came together, and they prayed for one another. They prayed for the cities. They prayed for the work of those who had been sent out. They prayed, they prayed. And I just want to say, we are a church that prays, and that's a very important. We've prayed already today. We're going to pray some more later. And I hope you know, when we pray, when Pastor Darrell was leading us in prayer for the tragedies in the world, we mean that. I hope your heart is wrenched by it. I hope you enter in spiritually to say, God, I agree with this prayer. We, us, the church, the bride, we are agreeing in prayer together for these things that have happened in the world. Matter of fact, we're beefing up our prayer. Um, we have a lot of prayer ministry, a prayer chain, prayer teams. But on October 28th, which is just a few weeks away, starts on Saturday night at 6 o'clock after church. We have a special prayer room that we have been creating for a while now over off the East Auditorium. We're going to have a 24-hour prayer time where it's going to be open all night long, and you can sign up to pray for an hour or two hours all through the night, all through the next day, all through that Sunday morning. Uh, pastors have all signed up. We have security there. It's a safe place. You can come and pray. And I encourage you, to go sign up for a space to pray all through Saturday night, all day Sunday. Then at 6 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, we're all going to gather in the East Auditorium over there. And we're going to have a concert of prayer together. We have lots of instructions about the things we're going to be praying for. But why are we doing this? We're doing this because we believe in prayer. We believe it's important. And if you've never really been to a prayer meeting like this, please... Make it a priority and show up, sign up, and be there. Another thing we come together to do is worship. And worship has become really important in church. And it's not just singing, by the way. When you greet one another, you're worshiping. You're honoring God. When you shake hands, when you're friendly, when we pray, it's all a part of our worship experience. And I'm actually going to talk about this one quite a bit in a minute. Another reason we come together is to learn. Now, that, that matters a lot to me because as a teaching team, we talk about this very often. Sometimes when I'm, I'm talking to Christian leaders, I'll ask them the question, does your church have teaching experiences or do they have learning experiences? How many of you have been in a room where there's a lot of teaching and no learning? <laughs> I've, I've had a few professors uh, that way where it was just lecture. It was just reading off a page. Good stuff, yeah, but people weren't really learning. They weren't really engaged. So we want to be a church and have ministries where when you come, you are learning. And you're putting something into this. You're taking notes. That's why we provide an outline. You're thinking about processes. You're not just sitting there waiting for it to be over, but you're saying, I want to learn something new today. Another thing that we do that they did in the early church was serve. You've heard today we have 
need of help. We, we have hundreds of volunteers at Timberline, but we're always looking for more. And our media team does an amazing job. I love every one of them. They're, they're great to work with, and they do have fun, by the way. So don't be afraid to sign up and get involved. Two more things real fast. The early church came together to give. Anytime it's mentioned in Acts 2, Acts 4, at the end of those chapters when it says, and they gave to anyone who had need. They, they, some people sold land and brought the money to help others who had needs. They provided money for people to go on missions trips, to go to other cities. They sent them out. It's fascinating today that we have seen, we have lived out in this meeting here today, the power of baptism of people saying yes to following Jesus Christ and the power of people standing on this stage saying, I'm going to East Asia. I'm going to Haiti. I'm going to go make a difference. That's a healthy church. That's what it looks like to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And that's the last one is go. Healthy church is a going church because that's the mandate of go into the world, go into all the world, and preach the gospel. Now we get to the outline itself. There are four things about this space between God and us that I want to just reflect on and I want to talk about with you here. Number one, the space between God and us first and foremost involves the love of God. If there was no love that came from God to send his son to die on the cross, there would be no God and us. But there is God in us in authentic relationship, we as the church, the bride of Christ. Now, here's what Jesus said about us, okay? And it's to his disciples, and we're going to test it here in just a second. John 13, verse 34. Let's see if you recognize this. So now this is Jesus talking. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love, get this, take this seriously, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Wow. Is that big to you? I mean, is that like a pretty big statement? So let's test it. How about after church today? How many of you are going to go eat somewhere after church? Okay. Take a little trip to Old Town and start an interview like this. Are you a believer in Jesus and if they say yes, move on to someone else. Okay? Find someone who's not a believer in Jesus. And then ask them this question. Hey, tell me what you know about the church. Well, they might say something like, I don't know much. But would they say, I know one thing for sure. Those people love each other. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. A few might. If they've had a good experience. But I do not think the world looks at the church and says, those people really love each other. Because they see the bickering in the church. They see the jealousy in the church. They see Facebook. They see what Christians say to each other and how they treat each other and how they argue. And it's, it's amazing to me that this is the one thing Jesus cared about was that his kids, his family, had enough love to blow the doors off of doubt with people who didn't believe. And I don't think that's happening, and I don't think we're doing a very good job. This is supposed to be the sign. But you guys, let's change that. Let's be the people who are of love. Let's absolutely work hard at loving one another. See, church is a unique place. And, and I'm going to step out here a little bit, but I want you to think about what I'm saying. 
Church puts people together that would never otherwise be together. You've gathered with people in this room. Matter of fact, it's been maybe a couple months ago. I looked out, and in one of our services, I looked out and I saw a unique thing. Just, just I had knowledge of it. No one else probably would at the level I did. There was a, a couple sitting there who have lots of money, lots of means, very generous, amazing. God's blessed them. And they were sitting next to a lady who lives in her car. A wonderful lady, by the way, who looks absolute. She's super clean. She's neat. That's just her choice right now at this stage in her life. Loves God, fully committed to God, doesn't complain about it. Just, and I saw in the Greek time that they were talking, they were laughing, they had this moment. And I literally thought, this is the church. Those two people would never find any way to come together except under the banner of Jesus. Then I started thinking about you guys and I started thinking about um, the rich and the poor, the needy and the not so needy, the broken and the not so broken who are sitting together in the same rows today. And you don't know the full details of the story of the people you're sitting with, but some of you might know some of them. Then I started thinking about politics. And I started thinking about the fact that we all agree on everything. Everyone in this room would agree (laughs) on politics. Don't even get us started. We could have a fight break out. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because we probably don't all have the same opinion about politics. But the banner of God over us and the spirit within us is greater than that. That's what we have to know. That's what we have to believe. And that's why we're the church is because we have a higher priority than our little opinion. The opinion of God is bigger than our opinion. His thoughts are higher than ours. And he's not real nervous about what's happening in the world. He's brokenhearted with those who are broken. And he's rejoicing with those who are rejoicing. Different races. Love that. Brings us together. Different cultures. And yet it's this God that we serve. Without love, we don't have much. I was was thinking the other night, Bonnie made one of my favorite things on the earth. I love salmon. How many of you like salmon? I like it usually however it's cooked. But good fresh salmon, it's hard to beat. But she started making this special dill sauce. Like it's it's homemade. And so she puts, I just. And now I have like a little salmon with my dill sauce. She's like. (laughs) Terry, that's like way too much dill sauce. I'm like, oh no, it isn't. Can I just drink it? Just, just bring me a glass. I mean, yeah, I love it so much. And I thought, now I don't even want salmon without that dill sauce. And as I thought about this, I thought, love for us as believers in the world, love is the special sauce. Love is the sauce that covers the violence, the anger, the frustration, the political view. Love, true love, the love of God. It's the sauce that makes it work. It's the sauce that makes us come together and say, there are things bigger that we can agree on, and that's why we're going to work together to make it happen. Number two, the space between God and us involves the presence of God. The presence of God. I wish I could articulate better what this means for us as a church. Because the presence of God is very, very powerful. Jesus is about to be born in Matthew chapter 1. This angel comes, shows up to Mary. We'll be telling the story here in just a few months. Matthew 1 verse 23, it says, Look, the virgin, talking about Mary, 
will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, which is Jesus. They will call him Emmanuel. And that word literally means God with us. The presence of God. When, when Jesus said, I'm leaving, but the Spirit will come, it means I'll never leave you. I'm going to be with you through the Holy Spirit forever. When you're sleeping, when you're awake, when you're running, when you're walking, when you're talking, I will be with you always. That's, that's a huge promise. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And especially in the context of a church like Timberline. Because, you know, I, I can honestly say I'm thankful that we have a beautiful building. I'm thankful for Windsor, for Old Town. I'm thankful for our campuses. I'm thankful that you had a good parking space today that you could park in. And I mean that. I'm thankful that you could come to a building that's heated or has air conditioning. I'm thankful you're in a pretty comfortable chair. I'm thankful that we can communicate with lights and screens and cameras and board. I think those are tools. They're all tools. We have an amazing musicians. When I listen to them play, and they're volunteers, and they're giving their best, and our media team, and all the people who right now are making all this stuff happen. I love that. I'm grateful for that. But make no mistake about this one thing. You can have the best of the best of everything there is. If you don't have the presence of God, you might as well forget about it. It's not going to happen. No one is going to be transformed by the renewing of their mind if you don't have the presence of God. And that's what we care about the most. All the other stuff is great. There are tools. But the thing I'm most jealous for as a pastor of Timberline is that we always appreciate and respect and allow the presence of God to do the work deep in our hearts. That's what changes lives. I, I had a, I've had this for years. I've had, this has happened in a half a dozen or more people who come to Timberline that I know about. But the first time it happened was years ago with a friend of mine who was on a journey to discover Jesus. Didn't really know much about Jesus and decided to check all Eastern religions and read. And he just went on this search. And uh, he came to Timberline. And he liked it. He liked what he felt. He wasn't sure how to explain it to his wife. He brought her back with him. And they liked it. But on that day, in his words, he said, toward the end... The message really touched my heart, and you said, let's pray. And when you started to pray, I had this terrible emotional burst coming out of me. And he, he's not a crier. He's a tough guy. He'd never cried. He couldn't remember crying in years. And he said, all of a sudden, my eyes are like getting tears in them. And I'm feeling this kind of, you know, that moment when you kind of go, you know, it's this, it's this kind of surge, like there's this something that's deep in you. And he said, I had that. And, and he said, it just freaked me out totally. He said, I got up and I went out and I'm wiping my eyes and I'm looking for a Kleenex. And I'm saying, what in the world is this? How many of you know what this is? It's the presence of God. It's something that goes deeper than the intellect. It's something that goes beyond your ability to think it through. It's by the spirit man. And the spirit man bears witness with truth. And it reveals something of you to God. And that's emotional. 
Now, you don't always have to cry to have the spirit man there, but I guarantee you when the, the presence of God is coming on you and over you and you are going to be opened up, you're going to see the truth about who you are in your soul. I can't manufacture that. You can't bring that on someone else. That's a spirit man thing, and only the presence of God can do that, and that's what we live for here at Timberline because that's something only God can do, and we depend on that, and we're thankful for that. So I encourage you, know that the presence of God still moves on people, and he opens us up. Now, that space between God and us is always going to involve the supernatural, but it also involves some practical things, and that's the third thing I want to talk about. The space between God and us, number three, involves the worship of God. The worship of God. Now this, this word literally just means to express worth. So when we worship God, it can come in all forms, as I said earlier. In churches, what is typically the form that we think of in worship? It's singing. I, I don't know of another place you go to and you sing with other people. I just, I just don't. And for, for some of my friends who I've invited through the years and they come and they're like, it's kind of weird when everybody's singing. I don't do that anywhere. You know, maybe the seventh inning at a Rockies game. That's, that's, and it takes a few beers for me to sing. You know, I, it's, that's typically what they're saying. And so there's this, there's this idea. But we know what we're doing. We are expressing worth to God. Now, in Psalm 22, I just want to mention this one verse, verse 3. There's a passage that says, yet you are holy, meaning God enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestor trusted in you and you rescued them. Now that's the New Living Translation. There's another translation that people use and this verse isn't really saying this, but, but the King James says it like this. Thou inhabits, thou inhabitest the praises of your people. And what's happened is this verse is really saying God is holy and you worship him because he is holy. But what people have done is they've kind of changed it around to say he inhabits the praises of his people. Have you ever heard that? The worship leader says he inhabits the praises of, of his people. Well, first of all, that is true. So it's not bad theology to say that. It's just that this particular verse isn't saying that. <laughs> and usually that's the verse they're referring to when they say that. So a lot of these, uh, these verses people take out of context. Matter of fact, if you're not coming on Wednesday night right now, really fun series. Uh, Pastor Brent Cunningham is leading, Jeff is teaching, other pastors are teaching uh, through this Wednesday night series on passages that are misused. Uh, another one is Matthew 18, 20, when, when it says, where two or three gather in my name. That's actually talking about church discipline and the amount of witnesses you need. But people use it like, hey, there's two or three of us, God has to show up, we've got him. You know, He promised, so he's going to be here. Uh, let me tell you something. God shows up if it's just you. You don't have to have two or three. God shows up if it's just you. That's just good theology. Matter of fact, Pastor Brent is teaching on that exact verse on November 8th. If you have an interest, I hope he'll be there. But I want to talk about worship a little bit and what it really, really means. Because we get confused. You know, we, we sing songs. I'm a worshiper. I love worship. I play a lot of worship music in my car. Um, when I get ready in the morning, this morning I had a great station of just 
worship music. I think it, it just lifts my spirit. I grew up in a church where worship was very demonstrative. It was a big part of what we do, so I'm a hands-up guy. I love to lift my hands in worship. It feels natural to me. For some of you, you know, it doesn't even look natural when you try to lift your hands, so just don't even try it. You know. I, I, I've seen you try Just don't go there, okay? But if it's natural for you, for me, it's just it's surrender. It's just surrender. It's just kind of this moment of, of like, for me, others just want to bow their heads. Some, some, sometimes the music, I just want it to pour over me. I, I don't want to read the lyrics or sing it. I just want it to pour over me. When they go into a, a, a moment when Ray was playing that lead guitar a while ago and no one was singing, I love those moments. Don't, don't say, well, when are we singing again? Oh, I guess this isn't my part. I'm supposed to listen to the guitar. No, enjoy the worship of God. Enjoy the worship of God. Don't disengage in that moment. Enjoy what you're doing. You're saying, I praise you, God, for who you are. And this, and this music helps me uh, express this thing. And here's another thing. It, it could be poetry. It could be art. As you express value to God with the gifts that you have, that's your worship. That's what you are offering. Make it personal. And, and here's the thing that's going to surprise some of you. It really is. God likes all styles of music. He does. If the lyrics are God-honoring. He even likes country style. How many of you, for you, that's stretching it? He, he likes style. He likes rock and roll style. If the lyrics, you know, it, a song does not have to be over 200 years old to be anointed. It can be a new song, and it's a blessing to God. And yes, it can be, it can, in, it can include drums. I, I was a drummer through college and, and, and lots of worship times, and we had a band that traveled and did a lot of worship stuff, and... I still remember one time after a, a, a praise and worship time, a lady came up to me just angry. And, and I'm young and dumb, so I wouldn't probably do this anymore. But she says to me, those drums should not be allowed in the church. They are hellish. <laughs> so I just looked at her and I said, ma'am, I promise you, I have beat the hell out of these drums. <laughs> I did. I said, I said, these are heavenly drums. And I wasn't saying it as a cuss word, I promise. I was saying it as a theological term. Mostly. <laughs> so don't email me. Don't email me. Don't bother. Number four. The space between God and us, lastly, involves the mission of God. It involves the mission of God. What does God want to do? A lot of times when it's you and me, when we talked about, you know, God and you, there's some personal goals there. He wants you to have discipline of your mind, control of your words and anger and all, all these personal things. And we've personalized God to the point that sometimes I fear that we have forgotten that we have a job. We, us, together, us. It's not, it's not just mine. It's, it's together we're going to do what we can't do alone. And that's the mission of God. When in Matthew 28, 19, which I read earlier, I want to read again. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. God is not suggesting this. He's commanding it. 
So as a church, if we're healthy, we're going to have a lot of people that are going, and we're going to take this seriously. We're going to be praying for the nations of the world. We're going to be believing God for something bigger than ourselves. We are on a mission. When I think about our mission statement as a church, it's on our website. It's printed in our materials. In Summit, we talk about it. It says this, Timberline Church exists to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ and with others. That's why we exist. If you have to put it in one sentence, I hope you'll memorize that. Because it's a powerful sentence that says, if we're going to lead people into a transforming relationship with Christ, it might be through worship, it might be through a missions team going to South Asia or Haiti, it might be that, that it, it happens inside the walls of your home, inside the walls of the church, but it's going to happen. Because we are a church that exists to get people to where Jesus is. And he's available to them. That's the best part. He's already knocking on their hearts. We've got to believe that. We've got to know that. I want to just make a final statement about lately what's happened in our, our world. When the storm started to hit on the east and they started hitting the islands uh, and the devastation that was coming across the news, I, couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. Uh, with Puerto Rico, the footage, some of the smaller islands and the BVI and St. Thomas, just what, what was happening. And then Texas, of course, with the flooding and all of that. And then Florida. I, I just started thinking, what is going on? And then last week when we had the shooting in Las Vegas, it was sort of like, man, it, it dropped me to my knees in a spiritual sense of, of just being very sobered. And very, very sad. I just couldn't even speak for a while. I just wanted to go pray. I prayed for the victims. I prayed for the people's families. Uh, my heart was broken. And this was the presence of God part of this message today. I felt the presence of God. And I told Bonnie, I, I, after I thought about it a while, we were kind of just grieving together and praying together. I said, you know, we ought to just call the kids and get the grandkids and buy someplace up in the mountain. And just move up there and never come back to society again. Amen? Amen? That's how you feel. That's how you feel. I just want to escape this trouble. I, I don't want to be exposed to the wackos of the world. I just don't. It's a scary time. And then I, I kept praying, and, and, and she knew I was just kind of saying that out of the, the pain of what people were facing. And, and then I, I had my, my default button because of my history and growing up in church, I have I memorized whole books of the Bible as a, as a kid. So, so this passage comes to me. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And I sort of, I sort of, at first, I'll be honest, I was sort of sarcastic with myself. Like, oh yeah, Northrop, that's what you would do. You would just think of this nice verse. And then I felt the Holy Spirit's presence say, wait a minute. It's actually true. I am greater. And greater is he that's in you, Northrop, than everything that's going on in the world. You better believe that and you better know it's in the bank. And then I ask the question, do I really believe it? And I do. It doesn't mean I'm still not sad. I'm wounded for so many people who are wounded. We should have that level of compassion. But I know what the presence of God can do and that's why I'm praying that the presence of God will be close to these people who have such loss and that they will run to God and not from God 
And I say that to you today in your own burden, in your own life, in your own issues. Will you run to God? And will you let his presence be greater than the obstacles you face, no matter how big they are? Let's pray together. Lord, we need this. We live in a messy world. And we just ask that in this moment, you will be so real to us that this will not just be play church. We're not just putting in our hour here, but we are committed to being your kids. We're committed to being your family, your church. With heads bowed right now, just right now, how many of you would just own this? I'm praying. These are two things I'm doing. I want to think more about the kingdom of God as the us and the we, rather than just me and my life and what I need. And I'm going to start praying more about let the church be this, let the church be that. I'm going to invite you to do that. The second one is I'm going to commit to loving you more. I'm going to commit to loving God's family all over the world and praying more sincerely and, and earnestly because that's the sign that, that is the fruit that God really is the Lord of my life. Let's commit to those things. If you're here and you're not a part of God's family, maybe you're separated from God and you know it. Listen, God loves you. He does have a plan for your life. Right now, pray this with me. Lord, I want to be part of your family. Forgive me and cleanse me. I feel your presence knocking on my heart. And I say yes today to following you. Just say that to him right now. Start your journey with God today. And we'll help you as a church, I promise. We'll help you get started in the right way. Lord, we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. <laughs>